What's up, guys? Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me. Today, I sit down with John Brookfield, the creator of The Battling Rope System and the new book, Renewing Your Youth God's Way. I've been excited to talk with John for a long time. We were supposed to connect before, things didn't work out, and we finally got a chance to connect and jump on the podcast. This was one of the most fun conversations that I've had. John is not only one of the strongest guys that I've ever talked to, but the work that he has done of developing The Battling Rope System and his work with velocity training and in endurance and grip strength is just absolutely incredible. And so we went over all that work, how he created his battling rope system, got into teaching it, and then got into his new book that's available now, which is Renewing Your Youth God's Way. So again, one of my most fun conversations that I've had recently. There's so many golden nuggets that are in here. I know you're going to enjoy it. All right, we'll get right to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll catch you on the inside. All right, let's get rolling. Mr. Brookfield, it's been a really long time. I've been excited to chat with you. So thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. You can call me John, though, please. Okay. Absolutely, John. No, I appreciate it. It's, uh, yeah, I know we, ch- we chatted uh, a little while back when we were going to get on the last podcast. Things didn't work out, but uh, this time coming through again, it's, as I said, I've been super excited just researching all the work that you've done in the fitness field as well as your personal accomplishments. So I'm sure this conversation will go in a lot of different ways. But, um, you know, again, really appreciate you taking the time. And I got to tell you, uh, just kind of a funny, I guess, antidote story. I first learned about you because you were on the perform better circuit for a long time mm-hmm. uh, with battling ropes with your battling ropes program. And I don't know if this was every year, but it always seemed like you kicked off the the weekend I was in Rhode Island, and it was always yeah. at the big convention center. And the first time I was going there, I would do the lectures because I was like in management, but all my trainers were going to the learn by doing. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I was in a lecture right next to that major big room in that Rhode Island Convention Center. And all of a sudden, you just heard so much music and just banging down on the floor from the ropes going on down there that I don't think the speaker could like keep his focus at that time. We're like, what's going on there? It's like, oh, John Brookfield, he's doing the rope. So yeah. that was when I first uh, heard of you about like 10 years ago uh, from you, there. And never left you get life. a whole bunch of those going at once if, if people's moving. It almost sounds like a thunderstorm, like, like in a room like that. Your a horse was galloping almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. The energy of those were, was always so you know powerful. And I think they, um, I'm like, they must bring John Brookfield in first to just get everybody's energy flowing with these, you know, <laughs> with these battling ropes. And that just set the tone oh, for the yeah. entire time. Yeah. So to, uh, to kick us off, John, um, you know, as I said, like the feats of strength that you've done personally uh, with your work, as well as creating the battling rope system, now you've got your new book out. I'd love to get to know just how did you find yourself in this world of strength? Was this something that you did from an early age or did you find it a little bit later in time? Very interesting question because my, my father was a professional basketball player for, uh, let's see, 11 years. Uh, and we're going way, way back, but I, I was actually raised in Greenfield, Indiana. And okay. uh, when, I, when I was, I, you know, I played traditional sports, but then I kind of, when I was about maybe a senior, I, I was pretty good at football and different sports, but I kind of quit, got in individual things. But there was actually a guy, he was 82 years old. I don't even remember his name. He was 82 years old and worked at a lumber yard there. And he, and, and I would get lumber there, different products at the hardware. And this guy would still bend 60 penny nails with his hands and even drive nails through wood uh, at 82 years old. So I, I was watching wow. this guy and thinking, man, this is pretty cool. You know, and the guy was kind of charismatic, real humble. And, and I, I remember grabbing that nail, man, this guy is 82. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a high school football player. We can do anything, right? Right. <laughs> so I, I grabbed that nail that first time and it did not go quite as well for me as it did for him. Let me put it that way. But, but kind of right there, the strong man bug kind of hit me. And mm-hmm. so I started, I had just, uh, I was very, very athletic, but just average strength. I, I had pretty small hands. Uh, for my size. And I had a goal, maybe about a year later, Michael to actually develop the strongest grip in the world. Um, that okay. was kind of a goal I had. My, my body was getting strong when my hands were kind of frail and mm-hmm. got into all kinds of bending and, you know, horseshoes, just all kinds of stuff. When I was about, I guess, 16, 17 years old and, and kind of stuck with it for many, many years. And just, mm-hmm. uh, would, 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 would just kind of work with it diligently and almost every day or every couple of days I'd improve with the bending. What was it about bending that was so intriguing to you? Because you're not the first person that I've heard that said that when I have spoke with Brett Jones and he had this sense, there's just something about when you feel 
the steel give way to your strength that's like indescribable. Was that kind of a similar thing to you? Yeah, and, and two reasons. I'll, I'll be kind of brief. It's, it's, it's different than any type of anything you'll else do. It's very, very different than any kind of training you'll ever do because you're you're pushing on something that's barely moving. So it's, so it's not an isometric, but it's not, you know, it's, there's not like a lot of range of motion. You're mm-hmm. pushing on something that just barely moves. I can't really explain it scientifically, but something is going on in your body and your nervous system like nothing else before. But now I realized when I was doing this bending and stuff um, so diligently so long, God was using it later as a tool where I could, you know, it got people's attention, right? Mm-hmm. If someone bends a horseshoe, it, it's, you know, a 16 year old boy likes it, but an 82 year old woman, you know, I mean, is going to be kind of attracted to it. So it, was, it had a universal appeal. So mm-hmm. I started doing full-time ministry and I felt, I realized actually God was the one that got me into that because it was very eye-catching, if that makes sense. Huh. Um and also, you can do it in tight places. It was, it was just a very, it was a, it was a very, very cool uh, goal. And when I got strong with bending, everything else seemed to get strong as well. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the the grip is just that correlation, right, to everything else that goes on in strength uh, that it built up. So that's it's one it's, of the few things I found here. Again, I can't explain it scientifically, but it's you know probably steel bending and maybe freehand rock climbing are probably the best two things I've found that actually build up tendon and ligament strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, by far more than anything else. So the, the bending really developed a lot of tendon and ligament strength where you where you wouldn't get hurt, but yeah, just just phenomenal strength over time. But I kind of took it to another level instead of just trying to bend one nail, you know, I always kind of use use it for endurance. So let's bend a hundred nails, you know what I mean, or something like that. Right. That's what I saw. I mean, looking at, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the feats of strength that you've done, you know, not just from the bending, but you've done some things with endurance as well. Like what over 1200 snatches with the 53 in an hour, like over 300 in 10 minutes, which the secret service snatch test, which is challenging enough is 200 reps. You decided to add another, you know, hundred on top of that just for shits and giggles, I'm sure. But it's uh, what was it about the like, was there specific things that you wanted to accomplish with the endurance side as well in the feats of strength? Yeah, I just thought it was it, it was more motivating and just to seem like, you know, um, I would try to sustain whether it was bending or kettlebells instead of people just doing one hard set. I would try to sustain my strength where I would be just as strong at the end as when I started. And actually, when mm-hmm. I, not to get off on a tangent, when I was able to, I did like a lot of those truck pulls where we pull trucks a mile. Normally speaking, I'm trying to think back. I think every truck pull I did, I think we did 10 or maybe 12 approximately mile poles and a couple of them myself. I was stronger at the end than when I started. Um, really? Be, to be quite honest with you, completely, being completely honest, yeah. You know, my partner, when we pulled, he, he would be spent at the end, but I, I was actually felt like I could pull another mile. Um, so I think just all my training, Michael, through the years, I mean, we're talking about years and years and years of doing that. Mm-hmm. I kind of developed a mental mindset where I could kind of relax under distress. Ah, okay. Um, not to put him on the spot. One time, Gray Cook said to me, not to put him on the spot, but I'm sure he wouldn't mind. He said I was the grandmaster at using enough energy without using too much energy to accomplish a task. Yes. You know, okay. so in other words, if you're, if you're pulling a 500 pound deadlift, let's not, let's not act like there's 800 pounds in the bar. And then we're just using enough, anything you're doing, let's use just enough energy to accomplish it, but let's not use excess energy. That's, it's such an interesting concept because with something like that, like you see people who are like marathon runners, like they understand that in the endurance world, it's like every step is almost calculated, right? Because you want to use as little energy as possible. I've I've spoke with some runners before and they talked about downhill running versus uphill running where downhill you're, you're almost not using anything because you don't want to exert any extra energy or force, you know, down there so you can save it. And you kind of seem like you apply that to a, to the strength standpoint as well. Exactly. And I I just found out actually crazy as it sounds, you know, so I would go out and I would just, you know, I would pick a goal. Let's say I was going to do like like a ground crawl, like a bear crawl or Spider-Man crawl. And I would pull maybe 300 pounds of chains, you know, hooked to me or with my arms. My, that my workout that day would be pull, let's pull 200 yards, these 300 pounds of chains in a crawl position. So, Mentally, I went out. Here, here's your workout. Now, I don't know if it's going to last five minutes. I don't know if it's going to be easy to be terrible, but here's what you're going to do. So, okay. my mindset: let's do this, but let, let's relax as much as we can under the stress. And that way, you're not you're not really your heart rate stays a little lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, you, you don't get all stressed out. If that makes sense. So it was almost like just training by objective rather than what the plan was. It's like this is what I want to do. Exactly. However, however long it takes me, it's going to take me, but I'm just going to try and make it as yeah efficient and effective as possible. And I use the example. Let's 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 take a construction worker or somebody's you know just you know uh, 
lifting hay bales, right? They, mm-hmm. they get up and work in the morning. Let's say they get out there at eight o'clock in the morning. They basically know they're going to be on that construction side or, or moving those hay bales, let's say till six o'clock. And they, they, their mind already knows they're going to be doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just going to make the best of the situation. So, so it's like a GPS in your mind. Here's where we're going. The GPS doesn't care what comes in between. The GPS, if you're going from Tampa, let's say to Baltimore, its job is just get you that, that, to that spot. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. That's, is this how you trained all the time or was this something that you learned and developed over a period? Of I like learned it. I started days? working out when I was in high school here again. My father was a professional basketball player. So mm-hmm. I started kind of doing basic stuff when I was maybe 15 or 16, but really I've been doing that. I'm 63 years old now, Michael. I've probably been doing what I just told you about probably for at least 30 years. Wow. Probably for at least 30 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Um, did you do that? Was that like an everyday type thing that you're doing? Pretty much. Yeah. I would do, I would do 70 minute workouts a lot. I mean, I'm not doing it, but let's say I took a 70 minute workout um, and don't get me wrong, you know, cross training is good, you know, circuits, rounds and intervals. We know that built, you know, burns fat. We know it's good, but here's the two reasons I don't like it all the time. Okay. So here again, I'm, I'm not knocking that. Please, please. Okay. It, it definitely burns fat. It's good, but there's two things it lacks. Okay. So let, let's say we're doing maybe 30 seconds of kettlebell swings, 30 seconds of box jumps, 30 seconds of push ups. but you name the exercise. So before that kettlebell swing really starts to get hard, you're letting yourself off the hook physically and mentally and going to do something else. See what I mean? So you're constantly, even though you're, you're constantly in that change, but when you stay in the same drill, a safe drill now, not something that's going to kill you, the safe drill for an hour, 70 minutes, you're teaching your mind how to relax under distress and continue on with a minute, but also you're building up that, that, that where you can kind of fight off the lactic acid, if you will. Okay. So it'd be like, if we're going to mow, mow a yard is a hundred degrees outside, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of staying out there for a while, we come in every five minutes to drink lemonade. We're never really training our mind and bodies to sustain over time. Gotcha. Okay. In real life, we have to do that. Maybe not in sport, but in real life, we have to teach how to do that. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like the analogy that you used of like the construction worker. Cause it's like, you know, you're going to have an eight hour window of what you're going to do. And you have a certain, uh, you have a certain thing that you have to accomplish for that day or, you know, by a deadline or so it's like, okay, we need to do this in the right parameter and the time frame. but how can we make it the most efficient? And when you do that, it's almost like you have to start creating and playing with your mind of different ideas to see what works well. And it seems like you kind of adopted a very similar approach. Exactly. Sometimes I would use this hourglass. It wasn't an hour. It might've been 51 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think I tried timed it, but I would just, I would just flip that hourglass over. But by, by, by looking at the hourglass, it's not like a clock. You can't think, oh, hey, 20 minutes have went by. It's kind of deceptive. So I would do that hourglass or even water dripping sometimes. Uh, and I, I, I do that exercise till that water dripped in the bucket or, or that or hourglass changed. So mm-hmm. I, I couldn't physically look at it and really tell how far along it was. Huh. That's interesting. A while back, uh, you know, Brett first introduced me to what he calls timeless training. Now, you know, when I was going into sinister, it was like going into, you know, a hundred swings, uh, one hand swings with the 48 kilogram bell to build up to a test that you're going to do in five minutes. But how the timeless worked was you just, you do sets of 10, you should be able to pass your talk test. So say a couple of, you know, a couple of phrases, and then you finish through at the end of the hundred swings, check your time, see how long it took you. Yeah. The next time you go through, check it again. And you just slowly but surely saw like, okay, it's just slowly coming down a little bit at a time. So I think it's such a, it's almost a much more enjoyable way to train than just doing sets and reps or just, I'm going to do this many circuits as quickly as possible, you know, with it. So it's probably why you probably sustained it for about 30 years, right? Well, another thing I do, I do all my workouts. I mean, unless I'm stuck somewhere or something, I, I do all my workouts outside. So let, let's say I'm going to go work out in a little while, whether it's a hundred degrees or it's raining real hard, mm-hmm. I'll still do that same workout kind of when the mission's called. Okay. Um, so I, I like the fresh air, obviously the sunshine, but I'll, no matter how cold or hot it is, that's, I'll do that workout regardless of the elements. Got it. Okay. So with a lot of, I mean, you, with a lot of the feats of strength that you've done, just to stay on that for a minute, like, is it something that you saw this as like, okay, this is the next thing that I'd like to do. And then you trained for it. Or were some of these that you did just kind of happenstance, they just came up and you're like, oh, I'm just going to give that a try. I'm kind of going back because sometimes people bring up stuff. I don't even remember until they bring it up. You know what I mean? But yeah. a lot of the feats, a lot of the feats of strength, Michael, I think kind of went back to me studying some of the old time strong men. Yeah. You know, man, and I said, well, hey, so-and-so did this or they did that. And I'd like to be able to do that. 
And then like, there was a couple guys, I, I can't, I can't, I don't want to say their name, I might be wrong. There was a couple old time straw men that were kind of famous, like for, for tearing maybe three decks of cards at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got where I could do that or, or almost four decks. Then I realized they were tearing paper cards, mine were plastic coated, you know what I mean? Which were, which were harder. Ooh, okay. So I, so I kind of try to duplicate some of those old timers with their feats of strength. Okay. And if you look at most of those guys too, that they weren't overly big. And most of those guys, unless they were in an accident, they sustained their strength and, and, and their conditioning way up in age. Way, way yeah. up. Yeah. Well, that's like kind of coming back to the grip strength, right? Like that's the fountain of youth. Um, you know, I, I just, I told this story on a previous podcast, uh, but it's always one I love is early on in my career, I had a woman come up. She was over 90 years old. And I asked, what do you do as a personal trainer? You ask, what's your goal, Right. And she wanted to open up the peanut butter jar in her home. Yeah. And I'm like, it, I was 23, 24 years old. I forget, but it's like, I never heard of that before and found out like she didn't have grip strength anymore at home. And so she couldn't have her breakfast and watch the news and drink her tea, which she enjoyed doing in the morning time. And three weeks into training, she comes in with a peanut butter jar, throws it on my desk and opens it up. And oh, yeah. I, would, I laughed. I said, she's, <laughs> she seemed like it was like, the same energy you would see Usain Bolt just winning the gold medal she yeah. had on her face of excitement. And I realized like keeping your grip strength is something that I think we don't recognize as important until you really lose some of it and you realize how valuable it is. Well, somebody asked me one time too, I can't, well, they asked me one time, who, who do I thought was the fittest person on earth, right? And interesting question. And I and they said, well, is that a you know, someone in the Olympics is someone on CrossFit. And I said, to me, it's not. And here's why. Because the, the fittest person on earth would have to be at least 80 years old. And, and, and why I'm saying that. So we're looking at someone who sustained it over a long period of time. Right. Not someone who's 30 years old, maybe stands on a, on, on a platform, which, which is great. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But what will that guy be able to do maybe in 50, 60 years? Will he, will he have joint problems? Will he be healthy? So we want to be able to sustain that longevity over a long period of time. Because I do know some people like up in their 80s or maybe 90. I mean, they, they're, they're still pretty much on top of their game in a lot of ways. That's a really interesting point, right? Because we do. We praise the ones who are in their early 20s and 30s, which is great. But you also you have a little bit of a difference of youth on your side. The longevity of it, of looking at yeah. somebody you know who is seasoned in their 70s or their 80s who are still doing that stuff. Yeah, that's a different type of strength. I met a guy the other day. He said he was 91 years old and he still, this was maybe a couple months ago, he was still crawling underneath houses, like for his job. Yeah. I mean, actually like belly crawling you know, and, and, and and doing like things like setting wood and stuff. At, at 91, still under. Oh my, oh God bless. That is amazing right there, yeah. right? Those are the stories that are that are just so inspiring and just, you never get tired of hearing. That's he didn't think anything about it, by the way, either. You know what I mean? He, he'd done it all his life and, you know, mm-hmm. and he knew that kind of kept him moving, mm-hmm. but he didn't really think a whole lot about it because he's always been able to do it basically. That's awesome. That's great. So then you got into, I mean, a, a lot of people would know you from the battling ropes program that you built and uh, that you, pr- you know, produce into the world. How was it that you got into the ropes training? Very, very simple question. So people ask me that and I, and, and, and I always like when someone asked me. So at the time I was actually doing those truck pulling records, you know, I was doing, um, and every time we did it, we beat our own record, you know, basically. And the, the last time me and Kirk Nobles, we pulled a 40,000 pound tractor trailer a mile, the last quarter mile uphill with no ropes, we did it in 50 minutes and 54 seconds. Okay. As we got older and lighter, but long story short, I was doing these records, particularly the truck pulling. And I, I actually prayed and asked the Lord, I said, Lord, will you reveal to me the best way to train a human being to sustain physically and mentally? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause mental, mental is huge, right? Physically and mentally. And, and to be quite honest with you, Michael, I, I felt not, not audibly, but he, uh, and just in my spirit, I felt it just as simple as we're talking now. He said he would, ask, he would show me and no, he, no one else has ever asked that question. Wow. So within about an hour, he actually took me to the floor of water. So I, I was picturing like hurricane waves coming in as well as like, like a fast moving river, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, basically fast moving water. So I started in, uh, mimicking the flow of water you know, with, with those ropes. Now there's seven different concepts to the rope training, but most mm-hmm. people are the velocity training. So I started that was what I was going to ask you is the velocity training. Cause um, I, I never heard that, uh, that fr- it, it phrased before like that. Yeah. And, and maybe some people might argue that the point it's kind of a loaded word, but velocity basically in, in layman's terms, it's a combination of strength and speed together. Okay. okay? Uh, so when using the ropes, it's, it's a combination of strength and speed. If someone's doing like some power or long stuff with the ropes, someone that's real, real strong and not fast doesn't do very well with the ropes or someone real, real quick, but not 
strong does it really well. So when you use, do the velocity train correctly, it actually develops strength and speed. Uh, but, but that's how I got into the ropes. I started, I, I used the ropes about a year myself before I showed another human being. And so gotcha. I found out that everything I went back to, my, my endurance was better. Huh. Okay. So what did you do over that year of building up? I mean, cause I know a lot of people would do it. They, they create the waves, you know, with it, there's different ways to do it, but from some of the stuff that I've seen from the, like the learn by doing seminars, there's pulling movements that you do as well. So what's, how does it, how does the system of using the ropes really break down? Is there a specific model that you use to teach it? Well, it kind of depends on the person. I, I try to get most people, if they have the time, I, I want them to do the velocity, which is the, which is the waves. Mm-hmm. And also I call it the pull system, but it's P-O-L-E. Okay. And so we, we will take a hundred foot rope, usually, usually two inch in diameter. Sometimes if it's a woman, we might use an inch and a half, but we, we wrap that rope around that pole, right? You mm-hmm. want something at least this two inches in diameter, like a goalpost. And and they pull that friction around that rope, you know, so they're pulling they're they're doing it hand over hand, any position you put your body in, you can do it standing lying or whatever. So mm-hmm. you're getting tremendous amount of uh, strength, endurance, uh, and mental capacity in any angle you want to get in. And I found that that pole system P-O-L-E would develop more uh, strength, endurance, than anything I've remotely ever seen in my life. Really? Okay. So when you started doing this, did you see a change in your strength pretty, pretty uh, instantly? I saw a huge, uh, Michael, I saw a huge difference in my strength endurance, but here's what's very, very interesting. Uh, let's say I could take a drill like kettlebells or push-ups, something mm-hmm. I haven't even done like in a year, right? I could go back to all these, just by using the ropes, I could go back to all these other drills I haven't done maybe in years. I, I beat my own records at it. So everything wow. I went back to, I, I, I was stronger with more endurance because what was that basically happening? The kinesiology guys did a little bit of studying. Mm-hmm. Um, so they found out with the, with the ropes, if you do it correctly, it actually, I'm, I'm not going to try to use the term they did you, you use, but basically it's, it, it builds up more of a, a resistance to lactic acid, you know, basically. Okay. So, and if you look at, let's say the pull system, you're pulling this way, right? It, it's mm-hmm. not like a positive and negative, like with weights or a kettlebell, all, all the resistance is going one direction. You see what I mean? So, so okay. it's all going this way. So you're, you're getting a lot more load over time and it's forcing your body to sustain like nothing else. And you're all, you're getting that constant gripping and releasing too. So there's a lot going on in your body. Gotcha. Yeah. The thing that I didn't realize when I first did some, uh, some rope training was the impact on the grip. That was the thing yeah. that first seemed to fail on me. Like my conditioning seemed like it was pretty good, but all of a sudden just the grip and the forearms of just holding that. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I thought I, I thought from doing a lot of heavy carries and doing a lot of kettlebell work, like a lot of kettlebell snatches, mm-hmm. like I had a pretty decent grip. This was a completely different element that I got into. Well, two things interesting about that. So it also teaches one not to overgrip. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Basically you want to relax. And, but if you're using like the power, like the tsunamis and stuff, not just the regular ropes, if you use like the, the, you know, the long ropes and tsunamis and stuff, what's really, really cool. So the, the more power you generate, the more force is putting on your own grip. So, so the more power you mm. generate, the stronger your grip is getting, your stronger your grip is getting, the, the more power you're getting. Ah, okay. So it's almost, it's almost like, like, almost like you're working against an opponent, so to speak. Right. And that opponent is always kind of matching your strength of where exactly. you're at. Yeah. The, the faster and stronger you get, the fa- the more he deals with you. And yeah. You, you never ah. You, you, you can match that opponent, but you never beat him. You know what I mean? So you're, you're always kind of like in the same way. Like. I, I love that because, you know, one of the things I've talked to a lot about people is teaching people what, you know, rate of perceived exertion training really is. You know, it's like getting away from just the traditional sets and reps and because everybody's going to be at a different level coming in and actually teaching somebody what their exertion is, what is their threshold that works. The ropes seem like it kind of just puts you right into what you're capable of doing right away. It's very self-limiting. Because when I first started using it, you know, my first group were the Cincinnati Bengals, the Olympic wrestling team, and a bunch of special forces units. Mm-hmm. And it kind of surprised me. The velocity is a missing link in training. I never found one human being, not, not one human being, um, that ever could sustain a good minute with the ropes if they weren't used to it. didn't matter who it was or what their background was. And they, they made physically toughness when we try to keep going, right? But I, I didn't find one human that could sustain 60 good seconds at that speed. But once really? anybody, you know, regardless who it was, once I trained them properly – what, what they might struggle to do 40 seconds on now, I could get a lot of them, if, if they listen to me, of course, they could go 20 minutes, maybe faster that entire 20 minutes than they could that first 40 seconds when they started. Wow. You know, it's interesting because you think of guys like the Bengals, like a pro NFL team, you'd think that 60 seconds of something that's not a loaded exercise as much mm-hmm. is going to be something that they could, you know, push through. But it just shows that the 
it's interesting you said velocity. It seems like it's the missing link of it. Like, I'm like, why do you think that is? It seems like everybody's focusing on strength and speed, but well, is it just can, not the right combo together? Velocity maybe was sprinting or running, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with the upper body, they're just not used to doing it. And also I found too, um, the, you know, the alternate waves, you know, you know combination waves. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never found one human being uh, that I've ever found that had the same strength, speed, ed- endurance, and uh, dexterity in, in both sides. So I, I would put somebody on that drill for as long as possible. And the reason I like to do it, all of a sudden, one arm would start flailing, go to main or, or, or get weak, or okay. kind of lost its dexterity. So uh, we found out that by training that, that they develop equal strength, speed, dexterity, and endurance on both sides, which, of course, ah. is huge for sport, but it's also great for injury prevention. Ah, so you kind of were finding asymmetries in it without yeah. even really yeah. testing it. And you don't have to even tell people that it's just going to happen naturally if they do it. Right. But it is yeah. very interesting. Um, I, 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 I didn't find one athlete or anybody that was the same on both sides when they started to get tired, tired like that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I came from the world of FMS a lot where the main thing we look at is asymmetries. And you yeah. realize that everybody's walking around with asymmetries and more. You know, sometimes it's big, but a lot of times it's even just the small little minute stuff, but yeah, that, I, I wouldn't think that would be uncommon to see those. And you don't, you don't have to know how to spell that word to have one either, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is perfectly right. So you did this for a year on your own before you really introduced it to anybody. Was it just because you thought like, this is just another modality that I can work in to build? Yeah, I, I strictly, I strictly did it for myself. I mean, God showed me that for a moment. I had no idea to turn it into a business or a training. It was strictly for me and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And then so a lot of stuff was happening. So I, I just reached out to a few, you know, kind of high quality, you know, fitness people, top military commanders. And I said, you know, I found something quite interesting here. I'm, I'm going to show this to you. You know what I mean? Okay. And not even really knowing. And they, they all just fell in love with it. They were amazed. And then what happened from there, I used to people start, I, I need to get some ropes, John. How can I get some ropes? Because mm-hmm. everybody was getting like these terrible ropes that just fall apart. Right. So, even though I was showing people maybe doing some kind of casual seminars, I had no idea about turning it into a business. And wow. then people, people just could not find ropes, you know, and, and then so finally like we perform better and different people, we kind of found a good blend of rope. And then mm-hmm. so I was just kind of basically trying to help people is how it took off. Yeah, the, the first rope I ever used with this, I think was like from an old fishing dock or something like that, like that somebody found oh, from it, yeah. which I'm sure you probably played around with plenty of those. Before I remember the, the first rope, ones. I actually think I sold some. I wasn't even trying to sell it to the guy, but he, he insisted. And it was like an old manila rope, right? Like a lot of old beat up 50 foot manila yeah. rope. And I think I took duct tape and just, you know, we kind of, kind of wrapped oh, right. <laughs> and he, he insisted, but that was the first one, I think right there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know what I, what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. I used it a lot in uh, the place that I worked at, um, you know, before I, you know, moved out from there because we had a big senior population and they absolutely loved working with the rope. So it's funny because you worked with professional sports teams, you work with, you know, military special forces. We were using it with the seniors who were like 70, 80 years old, who never exercised before. And what I loved about it was, you could really teach anybody how to do like things like the waves and stuff like that. Like it was a, there was a very little barrier to entry of technique work and stuff like that. Yeah. The basic stuff, you know, it's, it's the basic, it can get complicated, but the basic stuff's very easy, but here's what's interesting that the chance of getting, I'm not going to say impossible, you know, but Mm -hmm. the the chance of getting hurt is almost impossible. But, and here's why, unlike rocks, kettlebells, you're, you're imposing your will on the rope. It has no way to impose its will back on Mm-hmm. Because it, in other words, like a kettlebell coming down or a stone, it can impose its will on you, right? But you're, you're completely piling the plane when you're using those ropes, whether if you're 90 years old or you're an Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. You can't put more force in the rope than your body can put out. And, and that rope is not fighting back against you that way. Um, so the chance of getting hurt is very, very small. Even like, like Dr. Davis Coe, he's kind of a prominent physical therapist from uh, Orange County, California. He actually rehabs a lot of uh, different types of athletes and people, rotator cuff cares with mm-hmm. the ropes because they are so docile that way, but he can still, he can still build strength and kind of rebuild the, those, uh, those shoulders or, or anything with those ropes. I was going to ask about shoulder rehab with that because it seemed like it would be a great exercise for rotator cuff work and really rebuilding that stability in the shoulder. I had, I had a te- years ago, I had a testimonial. I used to talk to Louis Simmons um, from Westside Barbell, and I, I think it's even on my website. He gave me a testimony. I think it's still there, but he said uh, with all his days, it was the only thing he could ever train on that actually rebuilt his shoulders. 
Wow. And he, and he got up where he would do, like I think he said, maybe 40 minutes straight, probably not real fast, but kind of 40 minutes. But he said that actually, that actually was the only thing that took the pain out and rebuilt his shoulders. He told me that. And Louis is about as straight a shooter as, as, as the world has, you know, from oh, yeah. there. So yeah, testimonial like that, that's straight truth. So yeah. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, I mean, the, the battling ropes is so interesting. I know the one, the other thing that we wanted to really chat about was you have a new book that's coming out, which I think is fascinating, which is, it's called Renew Your Youth God's Way, mm-hmm. which is, um, which is coming. Is it, I, it's not out yet, right? It's up for it's, it's actually been out for a few months now. Yeah. It's actually, uh, it's actually okay. been up on Amazon for, I guess, just maybe a few months now. Yeah. Okay. And essentially this is you, you studied really the scripture to see all the different areas of where strength and ways for longevity and, you know, restoring youth is actually in the Bible. Is that correct? Exactly. And I didn't really research because I used to do full-time ministry. I wasn't really looking necessarily for longevity, Michael, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, I just start. I, I, everything is in God's word. Absolutely. Everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't care what you're looking for. It's in there very multiple times. And so I started kind of looking at something and God started showing me like a lot of longevity and health. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's very, very clear in the Bible. A lot of it is. I'll, I'll use one example if I may. Sure. Now, there's a lot of different breathing techniques, but God made it very, very clear that he breathed life in the man's nostrils, not his mouth. Okay. So he said the breath of life is in your nostrils, not your mouth. So about maybe I lose track of time, but maybe, maybe six or seven months ago, I, I went to all nasal breathing. Mm. I mean, it, I mean, I, I don't matter how hard I'm doing anything, sprints, cycling, anything, you know, I never, opened, I got to the point where I never had to open my mouth, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of training. And it, it made a huge difference in my body. Um, have you followed the the work at all of Patrick McGowan and Oxygen Advantage and the work? Yeah, I've, I've actually, a lot of those guys, I'm, I'm familiar with them and stuff. And I've studied <laughs> a little bit. And uh, sometimes I kind of simplify. I mean, I appreciate everybody does, but sometimes I'll just sign something in God's word. And, and mm-hmm. I know it works because God said it, you know what I mean? So, right. I went to that. It took, now it took me, it took me several months to really be able to cycle really hard up hills and do mm-hmm. ground crawling. I mean, I'd kind of, I'd kind of keep my mouth closed, you know what I mean? Then I had to open it. But now I got to the point, no matter how hard I go for how long, I can strictly breathe through the nose. And once I started doing that too, in any kind of like, um, because your nose is the greatest humidifier and, and purifier in the world, by the mm-hmm. way, you, you, which you probably know, I'm sure. But after I, I never had any more allergies or even congestion after doing that. If I got a little congested or something in a dusty area, I mean, I could, I could sit down and breathe like just natural relax for five minutes. It was gone. Mm-hmm. And then I found too, and I didn't know before, remember talking about not relaxing under the stress. And, and you probably know this, but when you breathe through your nose, basically your, your nervous system is telling the rest of your body everything's okay. Yes. It, it takes away the fight and flight. So I wish I'd have known that a long time ago, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting that it's uh, that it's right there, you know, in scripture, because I I first got into nose breathing from I I read the book Breath by James Nestor, which you know talks all about yeah. that. And then mm-hmm. I got a chance to connect with uh, Patrick McGowan on the podcast, um, talking about slow breathing because breathing is an interesting thing, right? There's the Wim Hof method, which I've, I've talked with people on and I think there's great things, you know, as well there with alkalizing the system. But what I learned from the nose breathing was things, I mean, things like taping your mouth shut at night, you know, not breathing through your nose when you sleep, which is a huge thing for getting rid of uh, allergies, but just the slow, calm breathing that we do, like it doesn't need to be like a high intensity workout. It just needs to be something very slow and mimic. And if you do that, like going for cycling or what I did is I started going for rucks. I would just take a backpack with weight and just breathe through my nose going through there for 45 minutes or an hour. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Those things of what it does for your, for your system. Because in, in, in Genesis chapter chapter two verse seven, God made it very clear. He breathed the breath of life through in the man's nostrils. Really? You said probably seven or eight times in scripture about that. So I just, uh, basically by that, I just start, I started going to that. And, Mm -hmm. and and of course, you know, here's what people don't realize a lot of times, even athletes, if you, if you put your tongue in the roof of your mouth, it'll automatically make you breathe through your nose. It'll Mm -hmm. automatically do that. So I got in the habit of doing that. And and, and anybody will find for flexibility, I'm just using flexibly, for example, just by turning your neck this way or bending over, if, if, if you're breathing through your nose, your tongue's in the roof of your mouth, your body will be much more pliable just immediately than if you're breathing through your mouth. Wow. It, it, I mean, just, just in a twinkling of an eye, it'll happen. Yeah. If you have somebody just like this, and if my mouth is open breathing, and if I just turn my head like that, I mean, I can turn pretty good. But mm-hmm. now if I breathe through my nose, it's much more fluent. I can just feel it. I mean, just, just immediately. 
it's, that's so funny how just the little changes in your system can just open the things up that we need. And all you're really doing, you're getting more oxygen to your, to your body. More. Exactly. That, that's all that's happening. It's nothing, you know, great magic. That's all that's happening. Yeah. That was one of my favorite lines that I've heard recently of some discussions was I had Tim Anderson from original strength on, and he just kept saying, you know, take the brakes off of your strength. It's like, we already have all the strength and we already have all the things that we need to do inside of our body. We just need to take off the brakes, you know, from there as well. And he said, it's kind of a similar story, you know, um, to you when he created original strength, mm -hmm. um, you know, of kind of asking and praying for it. So, so how did you create this book? Was this just something that you, I mean, obviously you've studied this from your ministry work for a while. Were these stories and things that you had kind of already down? And well, you know, here's, here's what is there, there's a, in Psalms 103, you know, it, it, I won't, I won't get into great detail with repeating it, but basically in Psalms 103, once someone makes Jesus Lord and Savior, it says there's certain benefits by doing that. And the last benefit, he says, he renews your youth like the eagles. Okay. There's, and there's quite a few, the eagle is mentioned 34 times in the King James Version, but he says he renews your youth like the eagles. And so it really intrigued me because that's one of the benefits of a, of a follower of Jesus. So I, you've heard a couple pastors, maybe like Joseph Prince from Singer, once in a while they'll throw it out there, right? Mm -hmm. I've never heard anybody actually get into detail. They've kind of stayed away from it. So what, what I did, Michael, I started seeking God, you know what I mean? Asking very diligently, what do you mean by this? A couple of things happened. He had me actually study, study the actual eagle, you know, the actual eagle itself. Mm -hmm. And he's he kind of showing me different stuff in scripture. Um, and that's how the book actually came about. So he was showing how we, how we renew and see, here's what's happened. So you renew it, right? You can't renew <laughs> something you haven't lost, right? Okay. Okay. So, so remember that. And so it's yours. So basically if you start losing your mobility or your strength or just whatever, you know, it could be anything mm -hmm. uh, through the Lord, you're able to renew it. So when it starts to happen spiritually, it affects your physical body and your mind. And he started teaching me things like how, how important the feet are, for example, mm -hmm. there's more nerves in the bottom of the feet than any place else in the body. Okay. Uh, now, one mistake I think I'm not knocking by, please don't get me wrong. One thing a lot of trainers and strength coaches miss, uh, they're very smart, but they, they'll they try to work the hips, right, and the, and the glutes first. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I, I was doing, I, I got a little, no pain, just a little unbalanced like in the pelvis. Mm -hmm. And I, I would try to do all kinds of stuff that would help a little bit, but never really ha happened till I started doing balancing like on one foot, like slack lines and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what happens is your feet, when your feet activate like that, they'll tell your hips and the rest of your body how to fire, when to fire, and how much to fire. Right. Okay. So almost immediately within a day or two, all that went away just by, by using my feet, bare feet, like balancing with instability. It, it kind of forced my body and my nervous system to get back in line. And then all of a sudden now my feet shook hands with my glutes and they reintroduced themselves. Mm. Does that kind of make sense? It does. The, um, they're your control panels, what I'm saying, basically. It is. Well, and, and the feet, the foot training is something that's, you know, it's interesting. I had Graham, I had Graham Tuttle on, uh, who is the barefoot sprinter. You know, that's oh, all yeah, his yeah, work that yeah. he does. And he does yeah. a, a great coach. And he's worked a lot with Ben Patrick, um, the knees over toes guy in uh, mm -hmm. the ATG system. And we talked all about the foot training. And it's the, the main question that he gets from clients and from coaches is what's the best shoes that we should get for running? And yeah. he's like, well, you need to take a look at your feet first and get that down. And yeah. then the shoe doesn't really make a difference afterwards. So, well, if you think about this, here's a, here's a real simple way. And it's almost so simple. It's almost comical, but I mean, it makes sense. So, you know, God, create, he created us, right? He, he created us a certain way for a certain reason, right? So, so if, if he wanted arch supports in our feet, okay, or, 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 or our, our feet jacked up like this, like most shoes, right? Where the back's lifted up, he mm -hmm. would have put more thickness on the back of our heel. So what I mean, right. he, he would have, he would have tilted us forward and, you know, and, and he would have had an arch support in there, but your, your arches will actually come back. I've actually lost my arches twice. And, and while I say that I used to work for the DOT, I wear these big Kerman muster clunky shoes, you know okay. what I mean? Mm -hmm. All day. And, and, and so what an arch support does, it supports your arch where your arch doesn't have to work. Okay. Mm. But your arch wants, so, so when I, when I got out of those shoes, went more to barefoot or barefoot sandals, like if I'm hiking or, or running, uh, my arches came right back up very quickly and they rehabbed my feet. Um, but your arches will come back quite quickly because that's how God, they want to rebuild themselves basically. 
Well, and the word you mentioned there was renew, where, as you said, like, if you lost, like, you can't renew something unless you, you lost it. From exactly. that. What was it? What was it about the eagle? You said you researched about the eagle. Did you find anything specific in there of why that well, the was? Eagle, the eagle has, it does, it does a, it's this thing called molting, where basically, like, the older eagles actually will actually be, they go through a molting process, and some of them die during that process, but they, they get all this calcium on their beaks, right? So they'll break the calcium off, and then also they're, 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 they'll pull off some of their own flumes or their not flumes I'm sorry but their own feathers mm-hmm. so then they're able to actually high flyer high flyer higher with better vision so basically when we drop different baggage unforgiveness bitters that type of thing we can actually fly higher like that because we want to be less stressed so the older eagles can actually potentially be stronger and fly higher than the younger eagles because of that wow that's and that's, actually, that's actually that's actually a true thing by the way too yeah that's really oh, that's interesting so so it's, so it's like a renewal like that. So God taught me that. And then he just started showing me all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's many times in the Bible, it talks about girding your loins. And God God mentions it spiritually, mentally, and physically, but he also mentions it physically. And, and your loins is actually like, you know, the your core, basically. Okay. You know, you probably know the psoas muscle is the only muscle in the body that connects the lower and the upper, right? Mm-hmm. You know, connect, but that's the only one actually connected between both. And if, right. you know, the Bible was was written in Greek and Hebrew. If you actually study the, the the words, actually the words loins in Greek are actually so as. Really? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So it's was I'm sorry. Gir- girding your loins is that? Yeah, the, it talks about girding first? your loins. In other words, kind of fortifying or strengthening your loins or your core. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So I, I have a chapter on that. I won't get into it, but I have a chapter actually on girding your loins and the mm-hmm. bless and feed. Uh, a, ch- a chapter how to sleep better. There's a lot about strengthening your bones in the Bible. Okay. Yeah. So, so is it kind of, so how the, the structure of the book is, it's pretty much like kind of where, you know, this has been, you know, and where the passages are in scripture. And then kind of, you brought, you know, just more of the things that you can do on a day by day basis yeah. to it's really build a training book, but it's very easy to follow for anybody. It's broken down. You know what I mean? Whether if you're, you know, a, a pastor or whatever, the average person can get golden nuggets out of there. I mean, chapters like on ground sitting, you're mm-hmm. just sitting on the floor to kind of rehab your hips and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what gets very, very interesting too, um, God's been talking about there, there was blessings in the Bible where someone's strength would equal their days. Like everybody's heard of Moses, right? I mean, M- Moses, the, the Bible said Moses died at 120 years old. Okay, mm-hmm. so he died at 120, but it says the day he died, his eyesight was good and he had a youth of, you know, the, the vigor of his youth. So he died in perfect health. His day, God just took him because his assignment was up. Mm-hmm. So the, we have that potential, whether we're 50 years old or 120, our strength can equal our days. Wow. And uh, I'm fine. I'm 63 years old now. I can actually do some things now. I couldn't do Mike when I was 25 or 30. Really? I got to be a lot smarter. I got to be a lot smarter. I was going to say, is that just kind of from wisdom and training, you know, as well, and just understanding your body more at the same time? One thing very interesting that happened, uh, long story short, um, I was always one of these guys that wore the clunky shoes, you know what I mean? You know, the the big tennis shoes when I'd run and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then about maybe seven or eight years, I was hiking and they, they said I pulled or did a partial tear of the insertion of my Achilles. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't really feel it, but I started getting that, that big bump back there, the calcium deposit, you know what I mean? And where I couldn't wear regular shoes and I ended up getting, have to, I had to get out of regular shoes mm-hmm. and either do barefoot or sandals or like a moccasin, but it was a huge blessing because if I had done that, I wouldn't, I never would understand how to the actual the, the benefits of being barefoot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So it looked like a terrible thing. And then God actually showed me through that mm-hmm. little injury, basically how to rehab my feet, the importance of my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do all barefoot stuff now, or if I, you know, I wear like barefoot sandals, that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean, the, you, you know, the Bible's been around for, I mean, thousands and thousands of years, just over, like analyzed over and over again in a million different things, but I've never heard it on a way of talking about, really like health and longevity and how to kind of use this to continuously build strength over time. So is anybody else kind of done any research like this? That, I don't think you know, they honestly have. That's kind of, I think why God, you know, nothing special about me used me because I was very interesting because there's a lot of scripture says his word is health to all your flesh and strength to your bones. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few, I'll repeat it. Why do you place in the Bible? He says, his word is health to all your flesh and strength to your bones. There's a, I have a whole chapter on bones there, how to, how to strengthen bones. Uh, very, actually very, very clear uh, in the Bible. So there's a lot of things about, you know, they're, they're righteous. Uh, they flourish like a palm tree. They grow like the cedars of Lebanon. So a, a palm tree is pretty healthy, right? 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So he actually refers to believers like, you know, flourishing like a palm tree or growing like the cedars of Lebanon, which is, which is a powerful tree. Mm-hmm. So you can see health right in those scriptures, basically. Gotcha. So what, it, so you said it uh, mentioned about just bone health. Is there specific things that you found that like you're instructing people if this is how to keep healthy bones? Yeah, basically, I kind of break a lot of God's words down, you know, kind of what he's mm-hmm. saying, where it's pretty simple. Uh, mm-hmm. Here again, it's not a training book, but you can de- definitely, ha- you know, how to, how to strengthen bones, how to sleep better. There's okay. a lot about sleep in the Bible. I have a chapter on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really, it's like the foundational things that we can really do on an everyday basis to exactly. just, just And I'll share this. I do a cross-carrying ministry. I might've shared this with you when we were talking. I got about, I got a 200 pound wooden cross. I actually, I don't wheel it. Most, most people will wheel it, which I appreciate, but I actually carry it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll do, I'll carry it like this for a while. And then I'll go from one shoulder to the other, right? So 200 pounds, I'll carry it miles, miles on end. Mm-hmm. And I was asking God about, I'm going to do some very, very long cross carries, like a hundred yeah. miles or something over time. And, and I said, Lord, I said, how can I get the strongest and most prepared, you know, to actually carry this, you know, 200 pound wooden, wooden cross. And he says, well, you know, I can teach you things about diet and exercise, but he said that the strongest you'll get, he said, if you saturate yourself in my word or in other words, the Bible. Mm. So basically I started listening to God's word, like a lot during the day, just mm-hmm. kind of listen. I mean, don't get me wrong. Read, reading is very, very good. But I started kind of listening when I'm driving in my car. It was almost like, almost like an IV almost coming right into my physical body and my spirit. And when I started doing that, I actually started getting much, much stronger, much healthier. Did you do that practice like in even early on when you were doing your work with like the feats of strength, like the grip training? No, no, this, training? this happened this probably about, maybe, new? about three or four years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's interesting too, because I started kind of going downhill. I mean, not, nothing bad, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 63, you started kind of losing strength and getting little things here and there. And then, uh, but like I said, I, I started doing that and I started renewing, mm-hmm. renewing my youth. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. This is such now, you, know, you, you think of younger people doing barefoot stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. slacklining and skateboarding and barefoot stuff. And I didn't do that when I was younger, but now I do it. So yeah. see that there's the renewal process. Yeah. Well, it is interesting. It's kind of, it brings me back to what you said about like the strongest person in the world. You know, and we said a lot of times we might think of somebody who is, you know, jacked up that's going to the gym, you know, at 25 years old, but the person that is sustaining it at 60, 70, 80 years old into their nineties or, you know, 120, you know, if you want to go, you know, down that route, obviously if we're all feeling, you know, nimble and agile and we all have our sources, obviously why wouldn't you want to live as long as possible? And here's what's interesting too. I don't think I wrote about in this in my book. I don't think, but you know, people always think about Samson for strength, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not one time in Scripture that ever say Samson was big and bulky. Mm-hmm. Not one time. You know, I mean, he, you know, he could have been, but and never said that. He, he just said the spirit of the Lord would come upon him. Mm-hmm. His strength was coming from God, basically. You know, he he might have been, you know, 130 pounds soaking wet, right? Uh, that's the, that's the weird thing about strength in this world too, because just meeting a lot of people over my years in here, some of the strongest people I've ever met are not the biggest people that you would pick out of the, that you would pick out of a crowd to say, I'm, you know, putting my money on that guy. It's yeah. like, no, they put these things together in the right way of oh, yeah. skills, genetic grip strength. I mean, obviously those are, those are huge things. So, um, and I went into, I, I mentioned Caleb in the Bible too. And in, in, in my book, a lot of people know that name, but, uh, when they were in the desert for 40 years, Moses, uh, just long story short, you know, and he was in there and, you know, he, he was in there with Josh and Caleb and, you know, thousands and thousands, 600,000 Israelites, I believe. And Caleb went in at 40 years old. Okay. And he came out, he came out at 80 and he said, Caleb's strength was as good at 80 when he came out of the desert. He was when 40, when he went in, he still had the same strength and vigor as he did 40 years later when he went in that desert. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's amazing. One of the people I've known in my life, he was one of my first bosses, uh, Dr. Hank Lynette, you know, rest in peace. Uh, he was still over 93, 94 years old, coming in every day to the gym and working yeah. out. You yeah. know, he was just doing his work. He was a doctor of hypnotherapy and he worked with stress management. So he kept his stress as low as possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he worked out every day and he came to work and he had his purpose. And it wasn't until six months before he passed that he, you know, um, had a broken hip, which is a tough thing to, to get over at that age, but he was moving every single day coming in till his mid nineties from there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, you, you, we have, we have the ability that our our strength will equal our days and our days will be many. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember too, you know, that, that, that was one of the blessings that Moses had and we died at 120, 
But, you know, since Jesus died on the cross, we got a lot more potential and covenant, better covenant than Moses did, you know, because of Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. But that is a blessing in the Bible. I talked about quite a few times. Um, and I, I, I can I can very well see that now. You know, when we have our faith the right way and we use some common sense because mm-hmm. um, we, have, we have more. We should have more wisdom, Michael, when we get older. Right. I'm not saying we all do. We should. <laughs> so uh, I think also strength comes with wisdom, right. learning your own body, so to speak. Absolutely. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, you wish you could teach wisdom in some ways, but it's just the experience of putting your focus into it almost as the only, you can learn knowledge. You can sit down and you can read a book, but then actually, you know, it's like, so I just saw a great analogy. Somebody said like, you can read about what an orange tastes like over and over again, but until you actually have put an orange slice in your mouth, you have no idea what the heck anybody's talking about. See, Michael, me and you can collaborate. We, we can put all our wisdom down on a table. Someone can steal, no, excuse me, we can put all our knowledge down on the table, right? We can go out, someone can steal all our knowledge because mm-hmm. it could be put on paper, right? Or, or a tape, but they can't steal our wisdom. Yes. They can't even tap into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and, and the, the time frame that we're in right now too, John, is kind of showing that because we're in a tech boom where it's information is free. There's a million different things out there that you can learn on it, but it doesn't mean that it's going to keep, it's going to get you healthy. You have to practice it. And the only way that you practice it and you build it and is actually, you start eliminating the knowledge that you don't need. That's when you actually create wisdom. And then you just fall, which, you know, the whole book that you you know put together here, the word that keeps coming back to me, which is such a cliche word, but it's foundational things that you can do every single day to just build up, you know, feel the earth with your feet, you know, get down, yeah. touch the ground, you know, sleep well, take care of your bones, you know, pray, all those types of things that you're talking about. I was going to mention earthing, basically, you'll be in barefoot on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. basically outside. I do, I may do, you know, I may work in my yard for five or six, seven hours, just landscaping and stuff. And I'll be out there barefooted the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. John, this time absolutely flew by with you. Um, it was absolutely great to connect with you. I, I love everything that you've done from what I've known of you, but all the work that you're doing now, especially with this new book, I just think is fantastic. So I really appreciate taking the time and I would love to have I, you back on and we can continue this. And I appreciate that, Michael. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. If people are more interested in your work um, or you know, looking at your books, uh, what's the best way place that we can direct them? Well, I got a, uh, one of my newer websites, basically, which is I, I got some older dated ones, but just, just johnbrookfield.com. Okay. Yeah. Then, then renew your youth God's way. Basically that that's on Amazon which is, or johnbrookfield.com. But it's a, it is a very, very interesting book. It's definitely a one of a kind, but I, I honestly, I sit down, I just completely seek the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when I write my books, I actually, I go out, skip this now, I go out barefooted and I actually print them on a legal tablet. I don't mm-hmm. do them on the computer. And then I come in and I, I can't do as well. So I just sit outside basically and I, and I just print it on a legal tablet. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's how I done all my writings. That's uh, uh, Chuck Polinock, one of my favorite writers does that. It's just yeah. journaling. He says, no, it's like, I, that's typing. That's not writing. It's like, write it down first. No, exactly. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll get my daughter or somebody else, you know, to type faster. Then they'll go exactly. and load it on the computer. Perfect. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Um, John, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Listeners, thank you so much for connecting. If you want to follow John's work. You know where to do so. I'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you like the show, please give it a five-star review, give it a thumbs up, all that good stuff. And if you want to get the inside scoop on all new episodes coming up, behind the scenes insights and free training resources, then you can join the Strength Connection private Facebook group now. Just go to Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection and join in. Also, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.